I think death has always been a really great, so to speak, force in my life. It has been the thing that has pushed me forward to do things that I might not have done hmm. or taught me that I can get through really hard things. A significant loss can come in many shapes and sizes and has the power to change us at a fundamental level. That rebirthing we go through after a big loss is so important and can also be so painful. Two questions that often come to mind are, how long will this take and can I make it through? This is Shame Piñata. I'm Colleen Thomas. Welcome to Shame Piñata, where we talk about creating rites of passage for real-life transitions. The journey of losing someone or something important can have such a step-by-step quality, moment-to-moment, one foot in front of the other, just keep going. Does this sound familiar? Does your body resonate with these feelings? <sighs> yeah. Today we're going to talk about grief and loss and explore what one woman's journey has looked like. Our guest is Iris Sonia Moon, who, if you are a regular listener to Shame Piñata, you will remember from last month when she joined us for a conversation about discomfort as ally. I think it's worth saying before we begin that every loss has kind of two time aspects, a feeling of not being okay in this moment and a fear of never being okay again. I believe these are separate and yet both legitimate feelings to have, and it's the latter that can, in my experience, be the real kicker. So please join us for this conversation today where we look at the bigger picture of making sense of loss over time. Here's my first question to Irisanya. Do you remember what's the first time you became aware of the concept of something being a rite of passage? Mm, Yeah. I was in my last year of college And I was friends with this one man named Jim and we were, we had dated a while ago and all of that sort of fell out of contact. And I got a message from my best friend because we were all still friends that he was in the hospital and he's 22. Mm. He had like a really bad sore throat and then suddenly within a week he died. Wow. And to have someone that felt so young Mm -hmm. and was so young at that point Mm -hmm. to have them die so quickly without any warning um, really altered me. And I think the moment that I recognized it was a rite of passage was when, when you go to funerals of 20 year olds, it is horrifying. It's, it's shocking to the system. It is everybody that they went to high school with. It is, everybody that was on like the football team with this one, this person particularly. It is football players crying. It is all of that. And for me, it was the recognition that this can happen at any time and that my life is important now as much as it is, you know, looking back on it. And it actually thrust me into a couple of decisions that were very important for my life at that um, stage. If he hadn't died, I wouldn't have decided to 
go in a certain direction with some of my relationships or to go in some of the directions that I did with writing. So it sort of thrust me into that. And I think that that was one of my many uh, rites of passage <laughs> slash initiation slash um, slash like really just altering events. So that moment landed for you as a rite of passage because of the mm-hmm. ceremony or because it was, it was a surprise or it was such a big change in his life journey? I think it was all of those things. <laughs> I don't think that there's ever just one thing. I think that firstly, the, the dramatic impact of that moment and the throughout the week, there was a slow progression of like, everything's okay. No, it's not. It is. Oh, it's not. And that was back in the day of pagers. So we all used to get like paged on this and there was also a moment at one point where, you know, like, do you want to go see him? Mm-hmm. And I didn't, mm-hmm. I could not, I, I, that I was, whatever I was, 20 something, maybe I was a couple years younger than him. I couldn't do it. The idea of seeing somebody was just too much for me mm-hmm. at that moment. So it was the process. And then also that ceremony and that being at the wake. Yeah. Cause I don't, I know that we went to church, but I can't remember that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but the wake was just, you know, people everywhere and watching people figure out how to deal with this in this moment yeah. was instrumental. And then everything that happened after that was right. um, part of it too. And to this day, it still, it still impacts me in some ways. His, mm-hmm. The anniversary of that was actually about a week ago when we were recording this. And... It's been like 24 years since then. Mm. Mm-hmm. So that was your first experience of death? No, it's not the first experience of death. It was the first one that was really the most impactful. Mm. I, mm-hmm. My grandparents died when I was younger, but I didn't have a close relationship with them. And while it was definitely something I can still remember, I can still remember seeing, you know, because had, they had open caskets and everything, and that was you know, as a child, that is strange and, but not upsetting. Uh, It just felt like, okay, that's grandma or whomever. It just didn't upset me. But somebody that I knew and I knew really well, I had dated, you know, Mm -hmm. my first kiss, you know, all of the things was just more real than it has been, than my parent and my family had been. Yeah. Um, I never saw them. I mm. hung out with this guy and, you know, back in the day, smoked cigarettes and drove around the Midwest and played at pool halls and all that stuff. <laughs> and so uh, it was like a little different. And it was, it was the idea that somebody my age, I could go through that too. Yeah. And, you know, people who are quote unquote old when I was younger, um, now I feel really bad ever saying that, <laughs> uh, you know, like that was different. That's so far away. So that's yeah. not really a thing. That's what happens to people, you know, who have gray hair, like <laughs> me <laughs> now. So, uh, yeah, I think that it's, I mean, there's plenty of deaths that I've been through that have been really instrumental, but that was the first one. Mm-hmm. And I was impacted me so much. I actually got pulled over because I was driving, I guess, erratically after mm, wow. <laughs> I got pulled over wow. and at, like late at night after all of like the food and everything and had to wow. tell and I was telling the police officer what happened. And then he was like, okay, you can, you can go. Wow. That was a huge rite of passage for Iris Sonia. 
her first experience of someone her age passing away. Someone young. Someone who was not supposed to die. Death can be difficult to make sense of at any age, but especially when the person we lose was someone so dear to us and someone so young. After growing up and experiencing more loss, and particularly speaking with a friend who had also gone through a lot of loss, Irisanya got to a point where she felt like she had a kind of formula for how loss worked for her. She said it's not a perfect recipe, but it's been consistent for her. Now, keep in mind there's no universal formula for how to grieve, and there's absolutely no way to grieve incorrectly. But that said, it's interesting to hear what other people notice about how grief shows up in their life. So if I came to you and I said that, I don't know what to do, mm-hmm. what, would you, what might you tell me? I would say, the first thing I would say is like, how long has it been since this has all happened? Because what I think I know is that it takes years. The first year is the year of shock. Absolute shock, nothing makes sense anymore. To a certain extent, if you're not feeling all the things and you're not sort of grieving actively, that makes sense because it's just a shock. You're just going through the motions, going through the day by day, figuring out what life looks like without a person or a situation or whatever. And this goes not just death. And then the second year is when it hits. And at least, again, not a perfect formula, but... (laughs) I know for me, the second year was always like I felt everything because now I knew what was going to come. I knew about the anniversaries. I knew about people saying things that were uh, ill-timed. And (laughs) I knew that I was going to have another year of remembering how bad our culture is at grief (laughs) and handling that and holding that. And then the third year, it just gets easier. It it starts to make sense. It starts to get integrated. It's not that the pain goes away, but you kind of understand that it's there and that it's why it's there and how it might show up. And for some reason, the third year for me usually is like, oh, okay. And all right, I have to figure out how to build a life around this um, if I haven't already. But that's kind of the formula and it really has worked with most of my things. Um, so I'm curious if, you know, other folks decide to look back and go, is that true? (laughs) Did that actually happen? It also was really helpful for me because it defined time. I could go like, okay, because some of the, one of the things I hate as a Sagittarius or just as me is that I don't mind going through stuff. Can you tell me how long? (laughs) Because that would be great. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, you know, is this going to hurt forever? Uh, so by having sort of a container, it does also go like, okay, I can get through this next month, um, year. Yeah. I mean, it's worked with deaths and my divorce and all of that has been really consistent with, so hopefully that helps somebody. It helped me tremendously. But I have to say that's not super comforting for me in this moment because I'm about to enter the second year of my mom being gone in a couple weeks and... I feel like the first year there were moments where I was just like, I'm not feeling anything. And I think that's normal, but mm-hmm. I feel like I should be doing something right now besides not feeling anything. And then, and it's making mm-hmm. me think about um, some teachings I've been getting lately about digesting, mm-hmm. you know, having time to digest transition. Cause it sounds like that's what the formula is. It's like, Oh my God, something happened. And then 
ow, once I can feel it, right? And then it's like, okay, yeah, I've somehow in the background started to make a little sense of this and it's not so weird now, if that's even possible, right? Right, I know, right? I think that, yeah, I mean, blessings on the second year. <laughs> uh, I will not, I, I won't say that it was horrible the whole time. <laughs> I would say that, I would say that, you know, it, it, I think I was, I think I was ready to feel more. I think that that's probably what's true for me, at least, is that by the second year, I'm, I, I have worn down my defenses and my sort of like, I can hold this together and I can make it through the first anniversary of blah, blah, blah. And by the second year, you're like, oh, I have to do this again. Mm-hmm. And it's the realization of I'm going to have to do this every mm. year. Yeah. And yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the third, it, I mean, it does happen eventually. And I think, you know, I think many of us, if not all of us, understand that at, on some level that it will eventually sort of lessen. And just as like the seasons change, the moon changes, all of that, everything changes and moves. Yeah. So care for yourself wildly. <laughs> care for yourself in all the ways. Mm. I developed quite a cupcake addiction for a minute. And I think that that was helpful for a minute. So, <laughs> that was good. And then, mm, maybe we need to find something else. Uh, I thought my mom would be proud. <laughs> she probably was. <laughs> good job. <laughs> proud that you're eating cupcakes or proud that you decided? Proud, to... proud that I, probably both. <laughs> she was a big fan of, you know, indulge yourself. You work too hard. And also like, okay, reel it in. Let's, let's <laughs> Reel it in, yeah. We don't need to... Like, I think she would have said, um, I want you to grieve for an appropriate amount of time, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but not forever. Yeah, totally. To change gears slightly, I was curious, a question I sit with a lot, and I was wondering what you would think is, what do you think of the role of the witness? What's the role of the witness? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, first of all, it's a very important role. Mm -hmm. I want to say that uh, first and foremost. I think that it is powerful to have someone else sit with you and not flinch to have someone that can sit with you and not try to talk you through it or try to say it's going to be okay. I think it's important to have someone just be there because that offers safety and it offers not comfort necessarily. It does offer safety and it offers the opportunity to know that you're not alone in this. Mm -hmm. And for me, that is the most important thing Mm -hmm. of any of this grief work and any, actually any work, that you're not alone in the things you face. Mm -hmm. It's going to feel like it. Yeah. But um, 
calling in a witness and is also not something you necessarily need another person for, like a human. Like you can call in a whole bunch of different witnesses and you can also be your own witness, but it's also like, it is like sort of hopeful that you find someone that's outside of you, Mm -hmm. but it can also be a deity. It could be a tree, Mm -hmm. whatever you want, right? Mm -hmm. Tell the tree what's going on and just be there um, and allow yourself to be held in that. And I, I want to like something that's just really ringing for me in this moment is that get the right witness because it really is important to have somebody who doesn't tell you what to do. Yeah. Doesn't make a judgment. Mm-hmm. Doesn't even, I would hope not say anything, yeah. but, uh, just like, just be there and sit with it until, until, mm-hmm. cause it might not feel better, mm-hmm. but at least it won't feel invisible anymore. And that I think is where people who are witnessing or even just with us in our lives can have a hard time is if it doesn't feel better, is they feel like their role is to help us get through a hard whatever. And then that will mean that at the end of our five minutes or half an hour together that we're smiling and we're ready to move on. And and that's, you know, so not always. And sometimes I've found in situations I had to sort of pretend that everything is good to like get somebody to feel like yeah. it. So that's not the ideal not ideal no i mean again it's that discomfort right yeah like i there's this one poem uh the the invitation by Araya mountain dreamer mm. and uh one of the lines goes something to the effect of like i want to know if you can sit with my pain and yours without trying to rush in to fix it or save me save it something yeah. like that and yeah I, I want to know if you can just sit with mine and sit with yours yeah. and just be here there's nothing actually to fix. This is just something that's happened. I mean, I've never been sad forever. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I haven't. And I like, at least so far, and I've never been happy forever. Yeah. It'll pat, like it'll, it'll move. It was at this point in our conversation that I realized that sitting with discomfort is profoundly anti-capitalist. Because at least American society is based on buy this, feel better, buy that, feel better, get this treatment, look better, find a partner, feel better. It's all about happiness. Mm-hmm. Well, it's seeking, seeking comfort, seeking comfort that is temporary mm-hmm. and easy to be bought again. Yes, right. And Good point. Yes. <laughs> here's the next thing. And here's the next thing. Because it does yeah. feel like it helps. And yeah. I'm not going to say that I haven't indulged in a little bit of, you know, retail therapy to feel better sometimes. Sure. Refer to my cupcake therapy. I love that. Yeah. Well, happy Mother's Day to you. Yeah. Happy Mother's Day to you, too. What a day, right? Yeah. I, I spent I went to the beach this morning because mm. I usually do that on Mother's Day. Um, and, you know kind of talked with her for a little bit. And then um, this is this is a, a funny story. So um, I got back to my car and my car wouldn't start. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh no. And of course it's Mother's Day. So <laughs> it was, it, it took like a good hour and a half for somebody to get to me to like help, my, help me with my car. And after I hung up with them, I was texting a friend. I was like, oh gosh, I can't believe this is happening. Da, 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 da. And I was like, oh no, I didn't invoke my dead mother in that <laughs> phone call. 
because usually I would say something like, well, you know, my mom died. Can't you just, I'm really upset. Can you like bring somebody? Like she would have been great with that. (laughs) She would have been fantastic with that. She's, I mean, you know, for everything that parents may put us through, I'm like, that is the least they can do. And, And that's what I texted my friend and said, and they were like, oh, totally, because they lost their mom a few years ago, too. Yeah. And then I realized I sort of took a breath and I was like, oh, I'm in a different stage of grief. Yeah. Because it's not the first thing I think Yeah, anymore. totally. Yeah, that's exactly. I thought you were going to say you invoked your mom and your car started. <laughs> I mean, that would have been a cooler story. But that, if I, that would have been a real witchy story. But alas. <laughs> Alas, I did not do that. I, uh, that would have been sweet. You're there with the, with the red and the black cables. Okay, mom, ready, do your thing. Sorry. If my mom was there, she would be like, um, why don't you know how to use these yet? <laughs> I, that's why we have AAA, mom. That's why we have AAA. Totally, right. Uh, oh, my God. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So it was a fun moment. I was like, I'm definitely going to bring that to this. Yeah, <laughs> good. It's just Thank a good you. moment. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I hope that wherever you are on your journey after a significant loss, you are finding ways to take care of yourself, whether that is cupcakes or anything else that really makes you feel loved. It's important that you know you're not alone on this journey. So many people are making their way through loss today. And also, your loss is your experience. And this particular loss, it's as unique as you are. So find your people, reach out if you need help, and in the words of Irisanya, care for yourself wildly. Irisanya Moon is an author, witch, priestess, teacher, and initiate in the reclaiming tradition. She is passionate about the idea that life is and we are a love spell, a dance of desire and connection, a moving in and out of the heart, always returning to love. Irisanya cultivates spaces of radical acceptance to foster trust and liberation to remind people they are not alone. Our music is by Terry Hughes. Find us on IG and Twitter at Shame Piñata. Reach us through our website, shamepiñata.com, and subscribe to the show in your favorite player. Also be sure to check out our second show, Daily Magic for Peace, supporting you as you support Ukraine. I'm Colleen Thomas. Thanks for listening.